everyone. Happy New Year. So good to see all of you here. And it's an important morning here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel as we introduce and present to you our family commitment. I hope most of you remember uh, this being mentioned last fall. And in fact, we, without really telling you, we were preaching through our family commitment as we did our All for Christ series. Uh, and today we want to present this to you uh, more fully. Those of you who have been members here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel have already received a copy of this and have had a chance to provide some feedback for us. Uh, but for the rest of you, this is going to be your opportunity to see it perhaps for the first time. So I just want to remind us of what it means to be all for Christ, these four sides of the cross. It means that we surrender all for Christ, and I appreciate the songs that we've sung this morning about that. It means that we as a church family are all together for Christ. We live together, we serve together. It means that together we wanna to reach all for Christ, all who do not yet know him all over the world. And we do all of this for Christ's glory. So today we, with that in mind, with that theme of being all for Christ, we now want to introduce our family commitment. But first of all, what, what is the family commitment? If I could summarize it in one statement, I would do it this way. What you're going to find in the family commitment in the four, or sorry, the 12 affirmations that we're going to set before you is simply a biblical description of the Christian life that's intended to promote and safeguard a healthy community of faith at Wallenstein Bible Chapel as we commit to following Christ together. We're not setting before you uh, something that's unique to Wallenstein Bible Chapel or a set of rules, handbook for our own church, but simply a biblical vision of what the Christian life is. Uh, that's what we believe you're going to find in the family commitment. But why do we need this? Many churches today in North America and around the world use a formal membership process uh, and what we're going to set before you is kind of our version of that or perhaps our substitution of that. We actually would prefer not to use the word membership in that formal way. The Bible uses the word member, or at least the English translations use the word member, to describe members of the body of Christ. So anyone who is a true believer in Jesus, according to the Bible, has become a member of his body, or more simply said, just simply a part of his body. And when we look in the Bible, we don't find the Bible teaching local churches to come up with a formal church membership. But what we do find is an expectation that we as a church family, uh, that the church to its people and the people to, its, to their local church, that there would be a high degree of commitment. And that's why for many churches, formal membership actually works. It's, it's what helps to create the vision that the Bible sets before us of this deep, commitment between the people and the church and the church and the people. And so that's what we're looking to promote here when we set the family commitment before you. So five things, five reasons why we believe we need the family commitment in our day. Here's the first thing. Number one, the family commitment will help us promote community. When I say community, I'm talking about the community of the church. Do you realize that the Bible would teach us that the most fundamental family for the believer 
is not your family of origin or the family that lives under your roof with you, your natural human family. The most fundamental family of the follower of Christ is this family. We know that because when Jesus was in a house teaching some people with his disciples, there was a knock at the door and outside of that door was his own mother and his brothers who'd come, it would seem, in the context to try and say, Jesus, what are you doing? You're, you're embarrassing us. And when Jesus was told that his mother and brothers were outside, he didn't even go to the door. He said, who are my mother and sister and brothers? It's those here who do the will of God. The family of God is the most fundamental family for the follower of Jesus. And that doesn't mean that our natural families aren't important. Scripture teaches us that they are, that we have great responsibilities, parents to our kids, kids to our parents. But this family, this community, is the most fundamental family for the follower of Jesus. And that's why the family commitment is something that we believe is going to help promote this community, this deep love for one another, this deep commitment to one another that Scripture teaches us to have. We have responsibilities to one another, and all of it comes down to this, to love. We are to love one another. Jesus taught his disciples that if they would love one another as fellow believers, that the world would know they are his disciples. So that's what we're seeking here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel, through the family commitment to to be committing, each of us committing to this community. And so the family commitment isn't, it's not about having a, a human, a natural family. It, it, it's about this family. And so if you're married, we want you to, to commit to this, this community. If you're single, we want you to commit to this community. If you're younger, if you're a child, we want you to commit to this community. That's the first reason for the family commitment. Secondly, we wanna provide clarity. Why do we need the family commitment to provide clarity? Think about the cultural moment that we live in and the pressures that are coming upon us in our public school system and really all through society and culture. Pressures that push against our beliefs and our ethics as followers of Jesus. I don't even have to mention several of them that we know are so much in conversation today. And those of us who follow Jesus and follow his ethic around things like marriage and sexuality and gender uh, are facing this pressure. And so in a local church, there is a need for clarity around this and all, all truth. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we did not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. What is he saying? He's saying, we didn't try to win you by uh, hiding truth from you or twisting or distorting truth so that you would like us, so that you'd believe us. On the contrary, he said, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And in a local church, we need this kind of clarity in our day. So that those who come and say, I want to be part of this church family, know exactly what we believe. And later today, when you receive the family commitment with it, you're also going to receive the church's statement of faith called We Believe. And it's going to set out some of these both theological and ethical truths that we want to be very clear about here. And everyone who's part of our church needs to know and understand this is what we believe about these topics. Number three, why do we need a family commitment? Well, it helps to protect our unity. 
We unify around Jesus Christ. We want to be all for Christ. And so the family commitment helps us to be unified by setting before us a common belief and a common goal to follow Christ, to be all for Christ, to help people find and follow Jesus. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The family commitment, we believe, will help us to protect unity. Number four, it produces accountability. Scripture calls us to follow Christ in the way that God's Word teaches us to do so. When Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples, he said, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. The family commitment helps us provide accountability for one another. And we're saying, we're looking each other in the eye, we're saying, we want to follow Christ, we want to follow his word, and there's accountability here now as we do that because of the family commitment. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Did you understand that this, this is one of the roles of each believer within the community of faith is that not only are we responsible to follow Jesus faithfully, but he wants to use us to encourage others to follow him faithfully and to admonish one another uh, when necessary. Finally, one more. Why do we need a family commitment? Number five, to prioritize maturity. We've talked in the fall about how our numbers have increased and we have space issues. Doesn't seem to be as much of an issue today, although we're pretty full. But we want you to understand, those who gather here with us, the goal of the elders is not simply to have a full church, but to have a mature church. It's not for us to pat ourselves on the back and think, what a great church we must be. We've got all these people the goal of scripture, the goal of Christ, our goal as leaders of this church is maturity. So we're putting quality, the quality of our faith over the quantity of our attendees. That's what we believe the family commitment will help us to do. So five reasons, five reasons why we believe the family commitment is good and necessary for us as a church. So now, we're going we're gonna to dive in, and what I'm going to do is just show you each of the 12 points that are in the family commitment. Um, I'm going to give you, I think in most cases, a scripture that's actually right there in the references of each of these 12 affirmations, and uh, I'll just briefly comment on each one for the sake of time, and uh, here we go. Number one, here's the first affirmation. I have been born again having repented from my sin and trusted in Christ alone for salvation. It is crucial for a church, whether they have a, a, an official membership or a, a formal membership or doing what we're doing, that we strive to make very clear that those who make up the church family are those who are genuine followers of Jesus. It is a, a, a difficult problem when a church has a membership, a formal membership, where there's a number of people on that membership who in some cases get to come and vote on important issues in the church, and some of those people aren't even believers. Of course, the biblical vision I've already said is that a genuine member of the body of Christ is someone who has come to faith in Christ, who's had a conversion 
to Christ. Here Paul says in Ephesians 1, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Last week we heard that salvation is a personal thing. Andreas mentioned it again this morning. So uh, we don't want you to affirm, in fact, you can't really affirm the family commitment unless you have been converted to Jesus Christ, unless you have had a, a moment in your life where you have confessed and repented of your sin to God and you've come to faith, you've made a choice to trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Uh, we call that conversion. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter three and said, don't be surprised to hear me say this, you have to be born again. There is a new birth, a new life that happens in this conversion. And so the very first affirmation is simply this, I have had this conversion. I have come to faith in Jesus Christ. I am born again. I have chosen an act of the will to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. That's the first affirmation. Here's the second one. I desire to be all for Christ. I commit to follow Jesus for the rest of my life and have publicly declared this intention through believer's baptism. Now, of course, we did a baptism message back in the fall. Um, not obviously don't have time to go back into that message here, uh, but would encourage you, if you weren't here for that message or if you don't remember, uh, to go back and, and listen to that message again uh, from the fall. Uh, we want to, and I said this uh, during that message, we want to prioritize believer's baptism. If it has seemed that it hasn't been a priority to us in the past, the elders have affirmed together that this needs to be, it should be a priority for us, and it will be going forward. And so this is something uh, that's crucial to us. It's number two in our affirmation. Uh, we remember what Jesus taught here, that those who are made disciples, the very first thing that should happen is that they should be baptized. I said in the baptism message that baptism is about discipleship. And being a follower of Jesus is a choice. It's something that we must choose to do. It's an act of our will. No one else can do this for us. We have to choose to be followers of Christ. And having made that choice, first thing that we do as a symbol of that choice, as an initiation of sorts into that discipleship is that we are baptized. What was the very first thing Jesus did when he began his ministry? Very first thing he did is he went to John the Baptist for baptism. In other words, his baptism wasn't about repentance, it wasn't about conversion, he needed none of that. It was about identifying with all who would join his community of believers thereafter, all of whom would be baptized into that community. So Jesus, the very first thing he did was he was baptized in order to identify with all who would come after, all who would join that community, and they too would begin that journey through baptism. And then Romans 6, all of us who were baptized literally baptized into Christ. Jesus were baptized into his death. Notice here, it's a reference to the physical, uh, practical baptism of a believer, but it also ties it so closely to conversion. You couldn't say this to someone who was baptized before they were actually saved because the baptism relates to a spiritual thing that's happening, the death of the individual. 
which happens at that point of conversion when we choose to repent and turn from sin and come to new life in Christ. Baptism is a symbol of that. And we can only do that uh, in conjunction with a choice to turn from my old way of life, to die to my old way of life, to turn now and follow Jesus by faith. That's the second affirmation. I desire to be all for Christ. I commit to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I have publicly declared this intention through believer's baptism. Number three, I commit to growing in my faith and in Christ-likeness through the transforming work of God as I learn God's word and apply it to my life by faith. I want to say here that the elders work so hard uh, on, on the wording of this. How do we word these things in such a way that we're setting a bar that we aspire to without giving this understanding or expectation that I'm affirming this because I've already arrived? Well, of course, none of us have arrived. We're all in this process of following Jesus. The commitment here is a commitment to grow, not to become stagnant, not to be satisfied with where I am now, but to recognize that following Jesus is a journey And I'm embarking on that journey and it will never end until I stand before him face to face and between this day and that day, I want to grow in my faith as the scriptures command that I do. 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I hope that as you read through the family commitment, as you look up the references that we have listed with the family commitment, you'll see that all we're asking us to commit to is what the Bible asks us to commit to. So we commit to growing in our faith. We commit to this process. Being a disciple of Jesus is, I wanna know what he knows, I wanna live as he lives, I'm not there yet, but I want to grow and walk with him on this journey. Number four, I commit to participating in the Wallenstein Bible Chapel family. Engaging relationally through friendships, mentoring, hospitality, and or small groups, and praying for God's work among us. Of course, this goes back to that initial point I made this morning that church is family. Church is a community. There is a community of faith here in Jesus Christ. And what we're asking us to commit to here is to the family. I commit to participating. Uh, This requires some measure of relational Engagement. We've been careful not to say here you have to be part of a small group, although that is going to be a primary way for many of us that we do number four here, that we engage relationally. It's going to be in our small groups, but if that's, that doesn't fit into your schedule, there's other ways that we can do that. Mentoring. We have a, a Les Fry uh, have, has introduced a, a marriage mentoring program here. We can build Christian friendships. We can be hospitable. We can open our home. We can engage relationally with people. Uh, Some of us here are social people. I mean, we just love to be with other people, and this is really, really, it seems really, really easy to us. Some of you read this, and it's terrifying, and we know that this is going to look different for different people. What we're asking you to commit to here is to build healthy relationships within the context of our church. 1 Peter 1.22, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, you've had your conversion, 
so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Do you see what he's saying here? When you're truly saved, when you've been converted, when you've been born again, God places a love in your heart for other believers. Now he says, practice it. Actually do something about that. Love one another deeply from the heart. And for some of us, this is where we have to start when it comes to this relational piece. We've got to say, God, would you help me to love the people of my church family? Open my heart to love. And as we do that, and by the way, prayer is one of the ways that God builds love in our heart for others. It will be so much easier. It will be so much more natural for us to engage relationally. Number five, I commit to attending WBC's Sunday worship gathering in order to meet with God and his people, hear from God through his word, worship Christ, and remember him in communion. What we're asking us here is if we're committed to this family, this church, that we would show our commitment by being here, especially on Sundays when the church is gathering as a whole. Why would we want to miss that? Uh, We talked about this. We had a message last fall about worship and what is it that actually happens. And we had 10 things, 10 10 reasons why we should gather and 10 things that happen when the church family gathers together as one. Uh, One of them, perhaps the most important, is this reality that God is in the midst of his people. Where two or three gather in my name, Jesus says, there am I in the midst. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14 about unbelievers coming in amongst us here at the church and falling down and saying, God is here. God is among you in this place. Why would we possibly want to miss that? And no wonder the writer of Hebrews would give this challenge to believers to not give up meeting together. We're asking us as a church family to prioritize being here on Sunday morning. I know for most of you, that's just normal. That's you're, you're here. Uh, for others, you come when you feel like it. You come when you don't have other things on. We're asking you to prioritize. And in order to affirm this, you need to prioritize being here on Sunday mornings to be in the presence of God and its people and to worship. That's number five. Number six. I commit to certain... By the way, can I just say this little... This little nitpicky thing, and I mentioned this before Christmas, be on time. Come on, God is on time. God comes early. Why shouldn't we? Be on time. Don't miss anything that's happening in the gathering of the church. Come and be here and be ready. Number six, I commit to serving at WBC in the gifting and strength of the Holy Spirit so that as a church, we will be helping people find and follow Jesus. Not only do all of us uh, have a responsibility to move along this pathway, we are responsible to help others move along this pathway as we serve. For some of us, that's gonna be through teaching the Bible. For some of us, it's gonna be mentoring other people. For some of us, it's gonna be setting up chairs and getting food ready uh, for the gathering of the church. There's all kinds of ways that we can serve, and the, uh, the scripture is clear that we all have a part to play. We all have a spiritual gift. Paul wrote that the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That means that if you're not a a believer who's serving in your local church, you're actually hindering its growth. 
So often it's the people who don't engage, who don't serve, who don't help, who stand back and fold their arms and criticize all that the church isn't. But you can't do that unless you're actually serving and helping. Each of us are responsible for the growth of the church family as we serve, as we do our part. It's a simple scriptural principle. Number seven, you knew this was coming. I commit to sharing financially in the expenses of the church and will seek to give to the cause of global missions and the needs of the poor. At the end of November, we had a message on this topic of giving, and Neil gave us a little update on the finances of the church. It should be clear to every one of us who follow Jesus that giving is a part of the Christian life, not necessarily just to the church, of course, and we've mentioned two other ways. We, uh, we, we talked in that message about these three areas where Scripture would teach us to be generous. One is with the ministry of the local church. Another is with the cause of global missions. And a third is in our care for the poor. And so we've mentioned all three of those here. Uh, notice here there's no amounts listed. There's no percentages even listed here. We haven't even mentioned tithing. We've just simply said here that we all need to share financially in the expenses of our church. So for some of you, uh, it, it may be that you, especially in this moment of inflation, uh, you can give 100 bucks to the church this year. Uh, obviously for others, it will be much, much more. We're just simply asking that we all commit to participating and sharing in the cost of the ministry of Wallenstein Bible Chapel. Paul is so clear on this, taking an Old Testament principle, applying it to the church and those who serve in the church. And he says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. What is he saying? All of us are responsible to participate in the ministry of God. So we, we want everyone to commit to this. We will commit to participating. Whatever it is that God enables us to give, we will we will participate. This is a biblical principle. Number eight, I commit to maintaining the unity of WBC on the basis of our common beliefs as described in our We Believe statement. I mentioned already you'll be getting that with the family commitment. If conflict arises, I will avoid gossip and seek to be a peacemaker, pursuing reconciliation as far as possible. In the community of faith, conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. Why? Because there's people here, people like you, people like me. We don't always get along. We don't see things eye to eye. And so maintaining the unity of the church is a crucial commitment. It's a biblical commitment. It's mentioned so many times in Scripture. Here, Paul in Philippians, be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And there's so many other Scriptures that emphasize this. What we're asking here is that we would commit to the unity of the church. Doesn't mean we're not gonna have conflict or disagreements, but when those happen, we're gonna handle and manage those in a godly way. We're not gonna gossip. And when there's reconciliation needed, and someday, sometime we should do a, a full message on the biblical principles of reconciliation. Uh, actually, the Gospel of Matthew is really helpful. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, if you realize someone has something against you, go and be reconciled. And then later, in chapter 18, I believe, it says if someone sins against you, go and show them their fault. 
You know what that means? It means that when there's conflict, whether you're the one who's been hurt or you're the one that's caused the hurt, your responsibility, according to Jesus Christ, is to go to take initiative to seek reconciliation. I like to call that the Great Commission of Reconciliation or the Great Commission of Conflict Resolution. We always take initiative to go, whether we're the one who's caused the hurt or we're the one who's been hurt, we seek re reconciliation to the glory of God. Uh, Romans 12, if you were to look up that verse, you'll, say, you'll, you'll read that it says there, as much as depends on you. And what that means is there's times when conflict is inevitable, when disagreements uh, don't necessarily get smoothed over, but we will always go as far as we can. We will humble ourselves uh, as far as we are able to seek reconciliation. Number nine, I affirm the authority of the elders at WBC who serve under Christ. I understand that I may approach the elders with concerns, but will submit to their leadership under God. Now, those of you who know our elders, and I've enjoyed getting to know our eldership in these last two years, know that we do not have a, an eldership that lords over this congregation that's seeking to be heavy-handed. And so, in some ways, this is actually awkward for us to stand up and, and read this, uh, but it's absolutely crucial in the life of a church. No church can be healthy if it doesn't recognize the authority that God has put in place. And this, of course, is the clear teaching of Scripture for all of us. And by the way, all of us includes the elders. The elders have to be humble and submissive to one another. Uh, this is especially true, I would say, to those of us who are staff elders. They keep a pretty close eye on us. They, they, they're, pretty, they're pretty firm with us about what we should and shouldn't be doing. And you need to understand that no elder... Uh, ha has missed out on the, on the experience of coming to an elders meeting feeling really strongly about some point or some course of action and getting completely shot down by the rest of the elders. Just happens all the time uh, because we have to submit to one another as a team. We have to work together. We have to be humble. Hebrews 13, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. I've had the experience of church leadership being a deep burden, um, and I've had the experience of it being a tremendous joy. Uh, we are not, no elder is perfect, no eldership is perfect, and that's why we encourage you, we invite you to come to us, to appeal to us. Some of you have done that when there's been disagreements or issues to be worked out or questions about different things. We just encourage you to do that. We want to be humble, servant leaders. Uh, nevertheless, for the church to be healthy, we have to recognize the authority that God has set in place. Number 10. This is a rare, uh, rare case, Lord willing, but number 10 is important. I affirm WBC's responsibility to discipline a believer who's engaged in serious and unrepentant sin. I welcome this discipline if it is ever warranted in my life. Brothers and sisters, this is the right attitude for every one of us to have on this topic of church discipline. Now, none of us want to be disciplined. Uh, hopefully, none of us have any intention of ever acting in a way or behaving in a way that would warrant this. But if we were ever to fall into sin, and remember what Scripture says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. All of us 
uh, have the potential of, uh, of being backslidden, of, of, uh, of disobeying God, of becoming cold in our faith and falling into sin. It could happen to any of us, including those of us who are leaders. And so we recognize this is a gift from God. Church discipline is a gift from God. It's not about retribution to someone who falls into sin. It's about restoration. And the elders here are committed, uh, if they hear of someone who's fallen into serious sin, to first of all inquiring to find out the truth of the matter, and then secondly inviting that person, that individual, to repentance. And it's only when a person is stuck in sin and they are unrepentant and unwilling to heed God's word or uh, those in authority over them, that is when church discipline is required. So you see that here, serious and unrepentant sin. Scripture is clear, there's a number of verses that speak to this issue, but here's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this. Church discipline is biblical. It's absolutely necessary. And you can imagine in our day, this is why one of the reasons it's crucial to have something like the family commitment is that we understand up front because this will happen. In a church this size, we will face issues that require church discipline. And so there's agreement and understanding at the top, at the, at the front end about that. Number 11. I commit to participating in gospel witness, seeking to put the gospel on display in my life and sharing the good news with others in my sphere of influence. Now, if you're like me, you would say, oh, this, one, this one's a challenge for me. Uh, it's a challenge for many of us. And yet, if we are serious about following Jesus, we have to recognize this is what he calls us to. Uh, none of us can say, oh, that's someone else's job for every one of us, we are called into the mission of Jesus. All Reach all for Christ. That's our desire. And so we might do that through prayer. We're going to do that through giving towards missions. But we want to do that day to day in our lives. Whoever it is that God has placed in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood, in your work, in your extended family, recognize that God wants you to put the gospel on display. Remember these two D words. Display the gospel, declare the gospel. Let the good news of Jesus be seen in your life and seek opportunities to declare it. How can we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Rick Reed was with us uh, in the fall and gave us a tremendous message on this verse. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Finally, number 12. And uh, actually, Rich, one of our elders, was really strong on this point and really, it was really helpful to us to ensure that it was very clear that these 12 things are not some kind of a rule book, but something that flows out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what number 12 is about. And Jeff Martin gave a message on this as well in November. I will seek to abide in Christ setting my mind and heart on his beauty and walking in the spirit as the source of spiritual life and power for keeping these commitments. Not wanting this to be a rule book, we're wanting this to be a lifestyle that flows out of a genuine relationship with Jesus. And as we look to him and as we trust in him and as we walk with him, we find the power to uh, keep the commitments that we are calling one another to here. Jeff preached from 
these verses in John 15. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Those are the 12 affirmations that you will find. Uh, It's actually two pages. So the first page you'll get is kind of a preamble that gives some explanation as to what this is about and why we uh, want to make use of this. And then the second page are the 12 affirmations. Now we know because of our history in the Brethren movement that for some, uh, signing on to membership is difficult. So uh, you're gonna have the opportunity to sign the family commitment as your way of affirming it. But if for whatever reason you don't like the idea of signing on the dotted line, you can simply affirm the family commitment to one of the, elder, uh, to one of the elders and they will sign their name for you. Uh, so you'll see that uh, opportunity there at the bottom of the second page. Then the third page you'll get, as I mentioned, is the We Believe document, our statement of faith um, that we want you to be aware of as well. I just wanna go through a few considerations in closing about the family commitment. So number one, I hope it's really clear here what you're seeing, that this is about Jesus, it's not about WBC. We have watched in the last 20 years uh, a number of mega churches, particularly in the US, who it would seem have sought to make a name for themselves. Rather than planting new churches, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger, it was all about them, and so often those churches implode or explode We want it to be so clear here, we're not trying to make a a WBC kingdom. All we're seeking to do here is to be faithful to our King, Jesus, to point people to him, to ask people to be faithful to him. We trust that as you look at the family commitment, you'll realize that's that's what this is, uh, is is pointing to Jesus, uh, calling us to follow him faithfully. Number two, it's, it's, it's about commitment, not perfection. There's not a person in this room, and especially not on this platform right now, who's anywhere near perfect. So what we're asking here for is, is commitment to growth, uh, not, some, not some expectation of perfection. You don't have to have arrived. You just simply have to commit yourself to the journey, and that's what we're looking for here. Number three, it's about abiding, not performing. Uh, let's be careful not to think that we've gotta put on a performance, an act, for other people. What we're wanting is for us to abide in Christ and walk with Christ and that these things progressively would flow out of a genuine life of faith in Jesus. We're gonna ask that we can affirm the family commitment as individuals. Uh, So obviously if you're single, uh, that will be true, but if you're married, equally true that we would ask you to affirm as uh, as, uh, individuals and we realize that it may be in your uh, in your home, that uh, in your married, marriage relationship that one of you will affirm and the other will not. Um, so we just wanted to be clear about that. We're asking that you would prayerfully and carefully review the family commitment before signing. So next Sunday will be the earliest that you can uh, submit your signed or you can affirm to an elder if you so choose. So we want you to at least, at the very least, take this week to pray through this, read through this, look up the verses, and by the way, if we got any of those references wrong, you can let us know, um, but, but take the time to do that before signing. And then, it goes without saying, but please, please don't sign this if you don't intend to uphold it. 
we heard from Neil, for example, that there's a large number of people here who are here most weeks who never, never give or help financially with the cost of the church. We're asking you to affirm that you will. If you don't have plans to, then please don't, don't sign this uh, until such time that you have the conviction to participate in, in, all, of these, in all of these things. Uh, number six, we will begin receiving, I've mentioned this already, your affirmations uh, starting next Sunday. And we need to say this too, everyone is welcome at WBC. Uh, this includes both uh, believers and seekers, but full participation will require affirming the family commitment. So when we say that, we're talking here about uh, ministries of discipleship, ministries of mentoring, ministries of leadership, ministries of of Bible teaching, ministries where you perhaps are a kind of a public face of the church family uh, to, to have those roles will require affirming the family commitment. Of course, there's other areas of, of service that perhaps are less prominent uh, that anyone will be allowed to participate in, but we, we are going to be requiring people to affirm for full participation. And then we want to say it's not a lifelong commitment. Uh, some of you are thinking, well, I'm heading to university next fall or in two years, or I think I'm moving. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be moving next year. Actually, what we would say is for anyone who's a genuine follower of Jesus, what we would say is you should find a healthy Bible-teaching, Bible-believing, Christ-following church, and you should commit yourself to that. And even if you're here for what may seem like a short time, we, we would encourage you to commit to this. It's for your own good and it's for the good of the church. Uh, but if you know you're going to be moving on at some point, that's okay. You will simply be released as you let us know that, you, that the Lord is moving you on. And the only question we might ask is, have you found a uh, godly, Bible-believing, Christ-following church to attend? That will be our goal and heart for you. Andreas mentioned that we're having a young adult service next Sunday night. So one of the things we hope to do is have some discussion with you. And so uh, some or many of our elders, I hope, will be here and available to discuss the family commitment with you next Sunday evening. Uh, one of the things that would be really helpful, and again, so this is for 18 plus, if you plan to be here next Sunday, you take the family commitment, you read through it, and you have questions or you have que a doubt or doubts or concerns, we want you to submit those to us ahead of time. So take a picture of this screen or jot this number down. You can actually text the word question to that number right now and you'll get the link uh, and you can send a question to that link later on. So I uh, really hope young adults that you will take advantage of that opportunity. And we really look forward to connecting with you next Sunday night. Well, what if you're uncomfortable with the family commitment? And we know that this is going to be true for some. Um, as I said already, we just want to encourage you prayerfully read through, read through the preamble page, read through the family commitment, read through the scripture references, and do so prayerfully. And, and then we, we really want to invite you to reach out to an elder for discussion. We, we expect, we anticipate that one of the blessings of this process uh, is that we're going to get to have lots of conversations with lots of people. Um, and some of them might be challenging or difficult. We might not be able to answer all your questions, but we're so excited to have these conversations because it really is about relationships. So we really want to encourage you to reach out. And then I want to say this in closing, that this is a process that's, it's a big deal, isn't it? 
And we recognize that this process, this family commitment, for some is going to solidify your connection to Christ and to this local church. Um, it may be something that attracts other people who say, I, I love this, I, I wanna be part of a church that has this and that does this. But we also recognize that for some of you, uh, you might realize that, oh, this, this no longer feels like my church. I don't actually feel comfortable with this level of commitment. I, I'm not sure I want to commit to something like this. And we actually see benefit in the clarity, and Andreas has talked a lot about this, that we, we want this to help promote clarity at Wallenstein Bible Chapel. And we realize that for some, the clarity that's gonna come for you is that I'm not sure that this is the best church for me. And the question uh, that I've already mentioned to you is, and, and, and the priority for us, is that each one of us would be plugged in and connect, your follower of Jesus, be plugged in, be connected to a healthy Bible-believing church. We would like that to be Wallenstein Bible Chapel. We wanna help you as much as we can. But if for some you end up somewhere else because of this, we just want you to understand the elders are not gonna be upset about that. We're not gonna chase you and try to change your mind necessarily. We just want you to be following Christ in a church that's honoring him. So again, we hope that's here, and we wanna do all we can to help and support in that process. So here's what's gonna happen now. Um, worship team's gonna come. We're gonna sing a closing song, and then when that song is done, uh, all of the elders are going to distribute the family commitments. So if you're not sure who our elders are, you're gonna get to see them here. Some of them are pretty tall, you won't miss them. Um, we do have our elder name tags on. So uh, when the song is over, we're gonna dist distribute the family commitments, make sure everyone has one. Then we're gonna gather on the platform and close in prayer. So elders, if you would just uh, meet now as we sing at the, uh, at the back of the auditorium and we'll give you further instructions. We'll, uh, we'd love for you to uh, let us know at the info center after. And we will take your name down and make sure you get a copy. Okay. Some extra there, thank you. All right, I'm gonna invite the elders to come actually to the front. And uh, Tim, do you have some extras there? Yeah, there might be some need over here. Fantastic, elders, why don't you come up and pray. So who believes that the Lord Jesus was here this morning? Okay. So it shouldn't surprise us then because Jesus said to us, all of us, he said, my sheep hear my voice. The question that we as elders really want to leave with you after this morning is, what did you hear Jesus say to you today? We've been on this journey, like we're introducing to you. We have been listening to Jesus and this is where we are. We, we, we want as a church to lead us towards all for Christ. And how do we wanna do that? We wanna be helping people find and follow Jesus. And we're included in that. We, we want to be following Jesus. To be committed all for Christ means that we are moving forward and growing like Gary said. You heard 12 I commits this morning. 
The thing that's most important to us is what is Jesus saying to you? We don't want you to feel guilty or bad, but we do want you to seriously look at this commitment document. This is the journey that we as elders believe God is calling us to do. This is the direction that we're going, and we really want you to look at this seriously. So some of you have been here for a long time, and you're wondering if this is why we have to go through this process. We're asking you to look again at 12 I commits and let's go together. Let's stand together. For some of us are new, this is new information. You've got it now in your hand. You can see it. Are you committed? This is a commitment. So I'm going to actually just ask us to take a moment to pause and to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, talk to me, speak to me. May my heart be ready hear from you. And then we'll pray and close. Father, we come into your presence and we need your love. We need your forgiveness. We need your mercy. Uh, we need your wisdom. We need your direction. Lord, we've been given a challenge this morning. A challenge from you, we believe. A challenge to be all for Christ, not just something on the wall, but something that we strive to live for. Something that impacts us 24-7, every decision we make. We want to be all for Christ. And as we commit or look at this document, we're asking that you speak to us, that you make it clear that we would put time aside if necessary to hear from you. As elders, we're wanting to follow you first and foremost. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful for what you've done. And we want the same. We want to take steps that honor you. We want to walk in a direction that is pleasing to you. And as a congregation, that we would be together and walking in the same direction. We pray that as people commit and look at this, that they would hear from you in a powerful way. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you that you are calling us. Thank you that you are going to empower us to move in the direction that you want. We commit ourselves fully to you. We give every opportunity for you to speak into us. We pray that you would open our ears and in our hearts right now, may we be clear of what it is that you're saying to us. We love you most of all. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. We pray that as you go this week, that you will have time to consider this. Also, the elders over the next few weeks, we will be uh, making ourselves available in the gym area. So if there's questions or you got concerns or not understanding everything that was said, that's fine. Just come and talk to us. We would look forward to answering questions and, and spending a little bit of time getting to know each of you. Thank you for your time this morning. Have a great week.